Hey, listeners, I just wanted to give you a quick reminder before we jump into the battle for Eternia that uh, we have a new name. We're changing our name from Bad Movies Worst Reviews to Exceptionally Bad. So your feed is not blowing up. There's not, no one's hacked your system. Uh, we just changed the name. Uh, you can find us at ExceptionallyBad.com or the guys at ExceptionallyBad.com if you want to email us. So uh, you've made it this far, so let's tune it on in. After he was a henchman in A View to Kill, and after he was Ivan Drago in Rocky IV, but before he was in Red Scorpion, and before he was in Kindergarten Cop 2, Dolph Lundgren was He-Man. These are hardened generals right, in, yes. in the Eternian army. <laughs> and, and Man-at-Arms' comment is... I follow my nose. Like he's <laughs> right. <stupid> Sam. Like, <laughs> let's go save our planet. But there's always time for fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Hundreds of movies are released every year. Some are good. Some are great. And many of them are really, really bad. We seek out those rare gems that are so bad, they're actually good. At least when you watch them with friends. Sit back and laugh with us as we share our completely unqualified reviews of some of the worst films of our lifetimes. This is Bad Movies, Worst Reviews. Bad Movies, Worst Reviews. Bad Movies, Worst Reviews. Oh, yeah. All right, welcome back to another episode of Exceptionally Bad. We just finished watching Masters of the Universe. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm Blade. I'm Bracken. And I'm Nate. And I'm Danny. Danny on a microphone. On a microphone coming closer to you than you may want. (laughs) We're glad to have you, Danny. (laughs) So uh, this movie is uh, Masters of the Universe, which is He-Man. It came out in 1987. And I'm going to do a quick overview of the, uh, the plot so, um, and then we'll revisit it and kind of talk about it. Uh, it starts with uh, Skeletor and his army have taken over Castle Grayskull. And they did it using a thing called a cosmic key that was invented by a, a little dwarf alien creature. And uh, that dwarf alien creature happened to have two of those keys. And He-Man and his crew used that key to go to Earth where they lose the key and then they spend the whole time trying to find the key uh, with the help of Courtney Cox and her boyfriend. And then Skeletor gets that. He comes after them. He gets the key, goes back to Castle Grayskull and takes He-Man captive. Then time runs out and Skeletor becomes the master of Eternia and the and I guess the rightful ruler at that point of Grayskull. And then uh, He-Man fights Skeletor, and He-Man has the power and overcomes Skeletor. The end. Um, So, yeah. (laughs) So uh, this movie, first of all, I want to say I thought was really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a blast. I had a blast. So, uh, what kind of what things stuck out to you guys? Well, I'm I just noticing when you said that the dwarf guy happened to have another one of those keys. It's like 
if anyone's bought a car, like they always try to sell you on getting a spare key, right? Right. Like, oh yeah, we'll key that. So I mean, it's, he probably got that at the dwarf dealership. That's right. <laughs> well, and this one isn't, you know, like when you get a spare key, it's like opens just the trunk, like right? The just yeah. the front door. Yeah, I feel like this is the same kind of thing. It was like limited in its functionality. <laughs> it was a little janky. <laughs> so this cosmic key, it's called a cosmic key, but it didn't look like a key like we would expect, right? I mean, no. it's it's this weird cylindrical thing with, with uh, what do you call them, tuning forks, tuning forks all it. around it, right? Spinning, moving around, getting out closer. Disco lights and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Making music. Making music, yeah. Um, and apparently he programs it by playing a musical song and that uh sets where this doorway so it will open a doorway to anywhere and that, any time and, and any time that we Through, don't really uh, under- out the universe yeah throughout the universe <laughs> we don't really learn about the time thing till the very end right right that um a huge mistake of theirs and <laughs> there are oh. so many uh so many loose ends with this little <laughs> tool uh the key I mean, what's the first thing that he said he did? That... He programmed it to get back home. Yeah, it's programmed to get back home. And also, he programmed it, the first place I programmed it to go is to the sorceress inside Castle Grayskull. Which it seems to be like his next door neighbor. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, he, so, he has wait, a secret door that goes straight to the castle. I had a question. So didn't Skeletor have his own key no, also? He, he's, they stole it from him, he said. But well, there, were got, mo- there were a couple different keys. Like Skeletor There were had two key. keys. Yeah. So Evil Lynn, yeah. if you remember from the very beginning, talked to him. And he was, remember, he makes a big That's deal right. about like, she was so beautiful. We and, didn't know. And yeah. I thought she was a wonderful woman. And so he made it for her, right? And he, then he she walks up her. and then he's like, I should probably make another one. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Skeletor wants both of them because he's really into power and, the, yeah. you know, mastering the universe and. Having all that, so he he for whatever reason couldn't just be happy with just having his own key. Right. You do not want the previous tenants of your house still having a copy of your key. That's right. right. Like you want your own set. You want to own everything. <laughs> it's, it's true. Yeah, you're right. Or, or I want to change the locks or something. <laughs> well, so you're you're not you weren't familiar with with the Masters Universe at all, right? That's true. Yeah. So I did not watch He Man as a kid. I did watch Shira. Mm-hmm. I remember watching Shira when it was very popular. And He-Man was probably a little... It was uh, over by then. It was probably yeah. over at that point, and she was, was still on, yeah. Yeah. But the rest of us uh, were fans, right? I mean, I, I loved yeah. the cartoon, both She-Ra and He-Man. Uh, I had a bunch of the He-Man toys. Um, everyone had Man-at-Arms. Yeah, everyone. <laughs> we were talking about how Man-at-Arms is that... Uh, it's that one that nobody wants. Yeah. But everybody has. But everybody has because your grandma gets it for you because it's a He-Man toy or something. And he's just so boring. Yeah. yeah. I, I had I remember I had Battle Cat. Yes. And uh, it was fun because you could take the saddle off. Yep. So you had Cringer and Battle Cat. Well, sort of Cringer. Right. But... So Cringer and Battle Cat, for those who, who are not familiar, uh, it's like a big tiger that... Uh, cringer when in the cartoon when he-man is not being he-man he's being prince adam and he's just like a nice prince and he's got a pet cat called cringer which very, is very cowardly a cowardly tiger but then when he-man raises his sword and says i have the power he becomes he-man and cringer becomes battle cat a gigantic cat 
that's big enough that He-Man rides it like a horse. <laughs> and and yeah. Man-at-Arms stays Man-at-Arms. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, Man-at-Arms. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> so let me tell you, I don't know. <laughs> this is an interesting thing about uh, Battle Cat. Um, so first of all, I should say that He-Man started out as a toy line. Uh, that was its first incarnation. Mattel, right? Mattel, yeah. yeah. And they created this. They wanted to make, basically, they wanted to make Conan for kids. And so um, they created this whole <laughs> toy line. And if you look at the toys, the He-Man toys, they're all these, like, super bodybuilder physique, right? But they every character in He-Man, actually the bodies come out of the same mold. So they all have the exact same muscles, oh, the same shape and everything. They just paint them differently, use different color plastic, give them different accessories, mm. and a different head. So the heads are different. But that saves them a ton of money because they have to build all of the machines that will make those little plastic bodies, right? Mm -hmm. Well, they ran out of money, but they're like, we need more stuff. Uh, let's get an animal or something. They're like, is there anything else that we already have tooling to make that we can use? And somebody said, well, we have this tiger that goes with one of their other toy lines. And they're like, oh, that's perfect. And they're like, no, look at the scale of it. Yeah. It's like huge. I mean, it's like the size of a horse next to him. And they're like, that's it. it does. <laughs> perfect. And so, so literally one of the toy guys just put He-Man on it and said, look at this. And, yeah. and that became Battle Cat. It was, it was the 80s, guys. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the most fascinating things, I think, for me about the movie is that it was totally toy driven so mattel yep i mean how many movies are made where it's like okay we company. have these toys yeah. and we just want to make a movie based on these toys and us a toy company are now going to be a movie making company yeah. is this the first movie based on a toys so i was i was trying to to figure that out and i don't know 100 percent for sure so um uh, Mattel themselves have movie like rights or or whatever you call it. Like they have tried to make a Hot Wheels movie, Barbie movies, huh. and He-Man movies. Those are the only things. Um, but I don't remember ever a Hot Wheels movie. I mean, there are Barbie movies. Uh, it's right? Cars. Cars. Yeah, <laughs> one and two. It was a little later. There, there's something but... called Lego movies. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> I think there's Battleship... <laughs> right, we're not so going to talk about that. In modern in modern <laughs> time, they've yeah. gotten more into it. Right? Joe. But uh, I think it's likely this is this might be the first. It, one. If it's not the first, it's among it, the first. It, so yeah. I do feel like we should say that Battle Cat is not in the movie. Yeah, sadly. And I mean, a ton of the characters from like the cartoon and the toys were not actually in the movie. Like, mm -hmm. and they're all really cleverly named, like Man E Faces. You know, yeah. the guy that has yeah. lots of faces. <laughs> lots of faces. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that the creativity of the names was something that came that stood out to me. I mean, he man, <laughs> Skeletor, just like all right, right, make man. it an R. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was just a bunch so of those the, kind of things. Yeah, one of the toy manufacturers, one of the toy designers, was talking about they they were gonna have this one that was like a sea creature guy who swims and stuff mm -hmm. and his name was going to be sea man <laughs> and uh <laughs> he just couldn't i mean he's like i know that's got to change and then another guy came up and was like no his name is merman and he's like oh yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> <I don't>... <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah 
evil again it was the 80s yeah (laughs) yeah so this is kind of a different interpretation from the 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 cartoon cartoon, yeah yeah uh the what the would you think of uh he-man versus you know the cartoon one now that i got a mic you guys are you guys are uh in trouble <laughs> the, the biggest the biggest issue i had with the cartoon and the real life one was he-man's hair <laughs> yes. like he-man's hair is just so awesome in the cartoon his, he's got this bob with bob. bangs yes you know bangs i do you really bob? like his hair in the cartoon <laughs> Okay, I guess I'm just disappointed that it wasn't the same. Because how cool would it be to see to see though that hair on real life, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. I, I kept thinking so, how grateful I was that his hair wasn't. Like that. Yeah. On the on the group chat, didn't someone share a picture of Zach Galifianakis yeah. Yeah, in yeah, Masterminds? Masterminds. Yeah. yeah, that's what he looked like. Can you imagine Dolph Lundgren with that hair? Oh. That would have been. I don't know. I think with that hair, though, like in real life, it's going to be like, you can I stick to the manager hair? Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it, not, yeah. I'm the master of the universe. It's <laughs> the same hair as Anna Winter. It's <laughs> totally on. Is. It's exactly. I'm so glad he didn't they... have that hair. Uh, I mean, it just would have detracted from the movie the whole time if he was wearing that wig. So, oh. so you know. I liked, liked it was an upgrade. So... <laughs> so you know, in the in the more recent film, the Marvel films and stuff, you've got um, Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. beefing up to be Thor. Oh, yeah. You've got Chris Evans beefing up to be Captain America. Mm-hmm. And so, this, I mean, this is the era of of, of Arnold yeah, and, and Conan. Sly. Right. And, uh, and so Dolph Lundgren, Dolph Lundgren, he looked like He-Man. Like, he was ripped. And he was, you know. Yeah, so he was muscular. He's huge. He was, he's, too, he was, like, yeah, he was very, very tall. He was big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that... His English, his accent and stuff aside, like <laughs> he looked like He Man. Yeah, hair ben, notwithstanding. Yeah. But like Ben the, was mentioning, he could have been a little bulkier. Yeah. So that to me, but he was. Kind I of, mean, he was. I mean, he had those abs, um, but I felt like in my head he was still a skinny He Man and not because I mean He Man is so ridiculously large. Well, but I think of yeah. Mister Universe Schwarzenegger, you know, as He Man, but. I'm thinking more like for anybody who's seen Game of Thrones, yeah, the mountain. Oh yeah, but like cut. Yes, like, right. That's what yeah. I would expect because mm. just massive. Those toys right. in the cartoons are, yes, right. Inhumanly right. I mean, thick. it's it's ridiculous. It's yeah. like yeah, they couldn't have done it real. So I mean, he was about as good as you can really get. Yeah, he he was he filled the physicality of it right. Yeah. Uh, now, so he was supposed to be dubbed, from what I understand. So right. Well, kind of. So <laughs> the. Uh, they got him because of his popularity and because he was cheap. Right. Right. Um, and he's from Sweden, so he has a Swedish accent. And um, he tried it. I mean, he said the lines, and people were like, uh, Mattel especially, they're like, um, it's okay if he has a little bit of an accent, but people have to understand him, you so, know? Yeah. So in his contract, he had in there that he was allowed to try three times. And if he couldn't get it after three times, they would dub him. Right. And so it was on the third try that Mattel was like, okay, that's good enough. Yeah. And they yeah. let him. 
And, and you know, he really didn't have very many lines. He didn't have a lot no. of lines, yeah. which was the thing. And, and I know that I think there were a couple that we could kind of hear the accent slightly. Oh, yeah. But honestly, I thought his accent was not a distraction at all. I, right. I thought, I, I, having read some background stuff before I watched it, I thought... You thought it would be worse? I thought, yeah, I thought it was going to be like Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger. And it oh, was, yeah. It was definitely superior. It was better, yeah. It was definitely better than Arnold, right? Yeah. And... Uh, very easy to understand. I, I thought he was great. I mean, even his "I have the power" at the end—it sounded yeah, great. He I really mean, did a good job. He-Man. I thought he and sounded a little deadpan. Yeah. <laughs> there were a couple times. We're not where, talking about his acting ability. Yeah, we're but his, his <laughs> accent was not a like. Oh, where is this guy from? Really? Like there wasn't any of that for me. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I should say um, back to what Ben was talking about him being Prince Adam yeah. versus He Man. I would have liked. <laughs> to see more yes. Prince Adam, like yeah, it seems like an obvious inter- disguise. It's, 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 in, it's, <laughs> interesting, it's interesting how little people commented on a man in nothing but a loincloth. Yeah, this is you're talking cape. about when they came to Earth. When they come to Earth, yeah. and yeah. now he's he, yeah, he's in a loincloth and a cape, and he has a sword. Yeah, and <laughs> and the one cop says something, but no one else really comments on the way they yeah. look. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and he, and he's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the costume is just so... Well, to be fair, he's in a music shop, and then there's an alley scene, and then they're at the house. So there aren't a lot of people who see him. And then they're driving through in a Cadillac. Yeah, he's not out, like, in a public park or anything. Well, and keep in mind, this all happens over the space of, like, four hours, right? right? Because when they, like... They're there. I don't know what it is. It's like the alignment of the universe or something, right? right? So there is it's a race a, against a timer, time. right? That they're yeah. trying to beat. So yeah, which throughout mm. the entire film they're saying, oh, we only have thirty parsecs, whatever. Yeah, they're all these know. made up words yeah. <laughs> about how much time they have left, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we see it's like daylight when they arrive, and then it's nighttime yeah. when kind of things end. So it's basically one afternoon or something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, it was a race against time. I, I did think at one point during the movie, I'm like, where are the citizens of this town? Yeah, yeah. it was a ghost Because they go to the school where there's going to be the prom or something Some... for graduation. Yeah. And the only and the gym teacher gets beat up by, <laughs> by Skeletor's crack squad of assassins. But, like, <laughs> you see him, you see a couple other people. There's, like, no other people in this town. Oh, uh... You know, if they had just collected a bunch of, like, gym teachers and sent them back to Eternia, they could have just completely squashed Skeletor. <laughs> they were not very good bad guys. Oh, man. So bringing up Skeletor and and Dolph's acting. So let's compare and contrast <laughs> He-Man's acting and Skeletor's because Skeletor stole the show. Yeah, it was it was his movie, really. Yeah, Frank Langella, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, from what I read, he had decided to he immediately decided to take on the role because his son was really mm-hmm. into He Man, and from <laughs> what I heard is at the premiere that he his son went with him and fell asleep during yeah. the, the movie. Oh jeez, <laughs> so feel bad there. But Frank Langella was really really good yeah. and uh, really believable. Uh, there was something to his makeup that was a little distracting. Mm, yeah. Ben, did you want to talk about so, that? So, yeah, I mean, Skeletor is this, in the cartoon and in the toy, I mean, he's this man with the head of a, it's a skull, right? And but he's still got a massive thick body. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. massive thick body, so the only like bone. bony part yeah. of him is his face. <laughs> his yeah. head. He's big he's bone. He's big bone. <laughs> so, yeah, in the movie you have this, this whole problem that I, I 
understand that here you've got to have this guy with a skull face <laughs> who's got to yes. be able to see <laughs> he's got no and, peripheral and, and he's got a hood over his face you've got to be able to so you get a great actor who can emote with his face and but eyes then, and eyes and then you cover his face completely um and the the mask that they came up with is probably the best thing you could do certainly at that time to make him look like he had a skull, but it was still kind of like fleshy mm-hmm. so that it would move a little bit. But his eyes were so deep inside that he could only see right in front of him. Um, I've heard him talk about how he couldn't see anything below like his cheekbone. So was... he, he couldn't see either on any side or below him as <laughs> he was... he's acting. <laughs> so is that why, I mean, even on set, he must not have known who else was around him. Because he's it was so like surprised. Wait, he who's in, here? Yeah, the first <laughs> time he sits in his throne and he hears a woman's voice, Who's talking to me? Someone is speaking to me. <laughs> and oh, right. the lady standing the right next I'm to trapped him. right next to me, four feet to my left. <laughs> here are your four assassins. Wait. Where? Oh, oh they're right there here. They are. Oh, yeah. But he was great. Well, yeah. but on the mask, though, mm-hmm. I thought it was fine yeah. until he started talking. Right. Mm-hmm. And even initially, I thought it was good. It was mm-hmm. passable. But they kept, like, going way too close in his yeah, face. And yeah. then it breaks. Because yeah. then you can see, like, and he's turning profile and stuff like that. So you can see that his nose, which is supposed to be, like, you know, a skeletal a nose, a hole, yeah. is clearly just <laughs> some black paint over, over his a mask. Nose. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I think there was probably some direction yeah. or... I don't know. They could have done to get around that to where it wouldn't have been as obvious. Probably. Yeah. So, and, oh, go unfortunately, ahead. you're staring right at his nose every time. The he's whole talking. time every he's talking. Time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a little distracting. Yeah. Right? Looking for that little line of white paint yeah. that's in the yeah. middle. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the uh, well, Frank Langella was chosen for a specific reason because the director knew that Dolph Lundgren didn't have a lot of. Uh, experience range. and probably not a lot of range, Vocal range right? and so his hope was hey let's get frank langella in here and he will just he's a true actor he'll bring everyone together anyone who doesn't know who frank langella is he um he's been in a ton of movies and if you look him up uh, and see his picture you'll probably recognize him uh he was dracula in the 70s that's what i always think of him as mm. first but he was just in uh this year he was in the movie called um, the trial of the Chicago Seven, which was nominated for Best Picture, he was the judge in that trial. Mm. So he's still acting today. Being oh. the vampire, that's why he was so good with the cape. Dracula, that's right. Or Dracula, he, yeah. he knew how to he knew how to and work the, the white cape. Knew the white makeup and the too. white makeup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I he was to me he was channeling like King Lear, but mm-hmm. also like, but also like vaudeville. I mean, it was. I, I just thought his performance was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he really. I mean, he really did shine compared to yeah. most of the other performances. I mean, I, I was telling Bracken I would have loved to play the role of that sorceress person because, like, your your job is to stand here <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally talk. Yeah. And you don't even How have to look at paid? anyone. Yeah. yeah. Well, she was imprisoned in this shaft of white, right, or light. It's just light. Yeah. And, yeah, and she was, you know, next to the throne and was there and slowly aging, so they had to do some makeup on her. But yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about other actors who are in this. Um, mm-hmm. There is, uh, so Dolph Lundgren played He-Man, Frank Langella played Skeletor. Then we had um, the girl that they meet when they go to Earth 
is Courtney Cox in her first uh, film debut, basically. Um, seemed like she was fresh out of a music video. Yeah, uh, that's like exactly a, where... A Bruce Springsteen music video. <laughs> wow, that's totally very specific. <laughs> <laughs> yes, isn't it? Near Tell me more. <laughs> is it because of the jean jacket? <laughs> I think that might have been part of it. <laughs> um, let's see, Billy Barty, who is a famous little person. He played mm-hmm. the... Um, the little dwarf guy who created the keys. His name is what is it? Gwilek. Gwildor. 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 That's right. Which, uh, incidentally, Gwildor was nominated for the Razzie for best oh. supporting a- or worst supporting actor for this film. But his mouth hmm. moves very rarely. Yeah. Yes. And he talks a lot. But so, mouth. I mean, the makeup like is... internal mouth that you saw. That's right. You could see his mouth but not behind the, the mask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it looked okay as long as he wasn't talking, talking or anything, right? You'll know Billy Barty from so many productions, but he was in Willow and I, I remember... Time him, Pirates, probably. I remember him fondly from uh, Foul Play with Goldie Hawn, but... He's been in over 200 credits mm, to, yeah. to his name, and you, you definitely recognize him. You you will immediately recognize his voice, because I feel like everything I've ever seen him in, he's covered in just a crap ton of makeup. Probably, so, yeah. And he's got that I voice. didn't recognize his face. I mean, not that you could see his face in this, right. but his voice, his voice, the second he started talking, I was like, oh, that's that I guy know. that I know from all yeah. these things. Pretty sure, yeah. Uh, did we say Labyrinth? Pretty sure he was. Yeah, yeah. he was in Labyrinth. Uh, so James Tolkien. Is in this. Okay. You'll know him as the principal in yes. Back to the yes. Future and as the commanding officer in Top Gun. Yep. In fact, uh, I saw him sweat a little bit in one of the scenes. Yeah, the, and I was like, <laughs> Top Gun. Yep. So Bragan pointed out that was 85, 86, 87, right? So yep. this is like his trifecta. That's right. <laughs> That's so right. He, he was the police chief or police officer in this film he's yeah. the 80s authority figure they had in the yeah right back to and the I... future number one movie of 1985 top gun ni- number one movie of 1986 masters of the <laughs> universe <laughs> top uh, movie of all time uh, yeah right <laughs> yeah, he got the turkey he got I guess three strikes it, yeah. in a row i guess it stopped there his uh being a police chief um blade can tell us it was um, let's see. It was a very convincing acting <laughs> role with his ability to handle guns. Yes. So clearly he had taken, everybody had taken a lot of weapons training. Yes. Um, clearly they spent a lot of time on sword play. <laughs> I don't think anybody in this movie has ever picked up a real gun. Yes. Um, yes. The <laughs> At the end of the movie, um, <laughs> the police chief. I don't remember his character. I know. Yeah. He's running around with a shotgun that he stole from the music shop. Yeah. <laughs> and in Wait, true form in the 80, yeah, yeah, in it, true it, 80s, he never fires the gun until the very end of the movie, but he cocks it about six times. Every time he yeah. gets ready to do he's something. Like, let's go do some action. <laughs> and he cocks it and he's like, getting out of the car. <laughs> All right. Gonna go shoot some bad guys. <laughs> never fires off around until the very end. It was... <laughs> He fires off like three in rapid succession without, without cocking cocky. it. And then somehow it's still got like 10 rounds and he takes yeah. out like half of Skeletor's oh, forces yeah. with his single shotgun. Yeah, that was great. But it totally reminded you of Back to the Future, right? Oh, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, then you got Men at Arm's daughter, yeah. Tila. The, the, Tila. Tila, the crack shot. She stands yeah. up, stands up, makes a huge target of herself. Yeah. Holding a pistol. Holding a pistol. 
Uh, I don't know how you tie. I, I, yeah, chest tie yeah. like it, with both hands, both hands, but both but both her index fingers are on the trigger. Yeah. <laughs> so you know you know that that it's meditation like the granny shot of, of yeah. You know yeah. that meditation uh, technique that Mr. Miyagi teaches. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Danielson, where he's like his arms up and then arms oh, out. Oh yeah, right. On the arms out stroke, put a gun in your hands. <laughs> yes, that's, that's how what she's it shooting like. in every yes. single yes. scene yeah, yeah. with her elbows straight <laughs> up elbows beside straight her. Up and standing full out of cover from yeah. the waist up. And the gun right at her chest. Yeah. That's it, so. so let's talk about her and her dad, because this okay. is kind of like a father-daughter journey. So it was it kind sure of like was. a coming coming out. Yes. There, there was, this was kind of the side plot. <laughs> My favorite line. Take us movie. through it, Nate. <laughs> so the Eternians... Um, Man at Arms and what's her name? Tila. Tila. Yeah. Also, Eternians. What a name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is Tila from the cartoon? Yeah, she okay. is. Yeah, she, is. Yeah. Okay. she wore some very different clothing in the cartoon and in the toy. She wore like this white leotard kind of. Okay. Or uh, yeah, that's what it. Looked she looked like uncomfortable in, the, in her outfit. But in this, she was it, wearing. It, a, it looked kind of like you know she had like the the army suit or whatever it, yeah. but it looked like she had like a thong on the outside of her pants that's right it but, looked uncomfortable uh, but yeah. um so they come through to earth and then they they're all gonna split up to see if they can find the key he man says like, let's check these different quadrants <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah he says let's split up to different sectors so there's four of them that come in it's he man perimeter yeah, make yeah room. Uh, he man and men at arms and tila and uh, Gwildor, they're the, they're the people who come through the gate, mm-hmm. and um, so they break up. But suddenly, suddenly, all three of them converge—not He-Man, but the other three converge on. I think it's called Robbie's Chicken and Ribs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're using, and they're using a spyglass or something to see. And then there's some people. Um, so this, there's a, a couple of great things that happen with these people are in a car just in the parking lot of Robbie's. And they're making out in the front seat. <laughs> Full daylight. Full daylight. It's, you know, it's like the middle of the afternoon. Convertible. Yeah. Convertible car. Um, so, first thing that happens is, is Men at Arms says, he, they see the people making out, and he's like, and Tila says some reaction. And he's like, oh, I was doing that before you were born. <laughs> Tila's his daughter. And then, and then nothing happens after that, because the next thing we know in true Mac and me fashion, Wildor has shot like a grappling hook yeah. arm thing and grabs the bucket of chicken and ribs that happens. Dad. Yeah. That's what we all <laughs> That's said. That's what we all said. Yeah. <laughs> well, can we, can we mention too, that these are hardened generals right, in, yes. in the attorney and army and man at arms comment is I follow my nose. <laughs> like he's right. Sam. Like, Let's go save our planet. But there's always time for fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and I guess it's not eternity. They're all vegans because. Oh, yeah. right. oh man, yeah. They're they're he they're eating and eating ribs. She the uh, Tila's eating a rib and he's eating a, a drumstick, and she's like, "What is this hard thing in the middle?" He's like, "That's an animal bone." And she and and uh, what's the little dwarf guy's name again? Gwildor. 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 She and Gwildor are like look kind of disgusted. This is after Gwildor drinks the ketchup, but uh, oh, yeah. and but but Man at Arms is just like yeah. He's like I don't think when I eat, and he just keeps eating. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, they're like this used to be an animal. Yeah. yeah. Oh oh oh. The, the best thing is when they first come How out of the barbaric. Or something. Yeah. yeah right. Like, what kind of a barbaric place is this? And they all talk about how terrible it is. But Eternia, the only at least what we see of Eternia, is. 
It's like Outworld. It's like <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a rocky desert. It's a rocky desert with people who stand with their heads, their hands <laughs> on their heads, and um, and they don't have animals to eat. Yeah, right. Yes. And they they um, the first, when they first come through, they sense an an alien life form, and it turns out to be a cow. Yes. And oh, then yeah. you have Gwildor trying to communicate with the cow, mooing at <laughs> it. Mooing yeah. At it. <laughs> you know, going back to like the food thing. I have trouble believing that they did not know what a bone was. Their primary enemy is literally just bone. A bone. <laughs> like, I wonder what this is. It must be a Skeletor baby. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, how do you not know it's a bone? <laughs> oh, man. oh, that's funny. Well, I mean, I with that. <laughs> well, in the cartoon, Skeletor is still jacked. He just has right. a skull head. That's right. And that's a rib. So that's right. Fair. Okay, fair point. Fair point. Fair point. I retract my statement. <laughs> oh man! So th- there was another person, uh, another character in this named Evil Lynn. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Right. It was she was played by Meg Foster, who um, Meg Foster is most memorable because of her just uh, really striking eyes. She mm-hmm. has very very pale eyes and little tiny pupils. Yeah. And uh, so she's often in kind of horror movies or kind of she plays evil people. Usually, uh, I recently saw Leviathan, and I don't know if you all remember that, but it came out kind of at the same time as The Abyss, uh, similar kind of movie. But she's like the bad, the evil executive who owns the whole uh, mining operation or whatever. Anyway, so, I liked her. Yeah, like I thought. She- I thought she did her. Good. Her face was perfect for it. Yep. yep. Um, her eyes were perfect for it. She didn't have a lot of personality. She could have done a little more. My favorite <laughs> scene. One of my favorite scenes of the movie is between her and Skeletor. Where Skeletor <laughs> is just like they're really close to each other's yeah, face. Yeah, face to face. Like face yeah. to face. He has his hands on her, her neck, shoulder area, giving her like a massage. <laughs> massage yeah. But then also like stroking her face. <laughs> Cause it it felt like He's he so was weird. having face skin envy, right? Yes, like, right. <laughs> he was just like stroking her face, and Brand and Blade's comment was perfect. It was something like, "I envy your peripheral vision," or something like that. <laughs> and, and your soft supple skin. And your soft. Yes. Yeah. Oh, um, anyway, I liked her. Yeah, yeah, she was. Great. I thought she was great. She yeah. she kind of stole whatever scene she was on, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. She, she had a lot of charisma and uh, was a true villain. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's marching around on Earth and having all of the soldiers following her and, you know, doing uh, Skeletor's bidding. And she was she was a real villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, somebody brought up the fact that her name is Evil Lynn. And, yeah. like, what were her parents thinking? Right. Like, <laughs> is that, like, one of those things where it's like... <laughs> Self-fulfilling know. prophecy. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Let's call her Lynn. Uh, I think Evil Lynn. <laughs> Look at those eyes. Lynn, is that short for Evil Lynn? <laughs> Why, yes, it is. It's a family name. <laughs> or maybe Lynn is her last name. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, just also, so Christina Pickles is the sorceress. Okay. Um, and fun fact is that she is also in Friends. She is... Oh, that's right. She's the mother of Courtney Cox's, Courtney character, Cox's character in, in Friends. In Friends. Oh, that's right. So, oh, interesting. That yeah. is connection. fantastic tie-in. Yeah. That's cool. So, I, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, but maybe it's not yet, 
I'm interested to hear the timeline of the production. Oh yeah, those kind of things that you <laughs> we can talk about that. Did some research, in, maybe a little longer. Yeah, let's further. I think we should talk about the device a little bit, in terms of it being a synthesizer. <laughs> the, the, the MacGuffin. Yeah, the MacGuffin. The, the, the key. The cosmic key. The key. My favorite. I think one of my favorite things about it is that. Uh, so Courtney Cox and her boyfriend Kevin. Kevin, uh, they are at. They're at the cemetery visiting her parents' graves, which is a very important at night. <laughs> yeah, which is a very right. important part of the story for some reason. Oh man, uh, oh. I, 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 Cox's whole story it's is there weird. literally just to set up the last. It scene. gives the little hook at the end. I, well, I just I, I feel like we spent way too much time with them in our He-Man movie. Yes, and yes, uh, but that's anyway, a good point. Yeah, so they 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 they're at the cemetery. Uh, oh, so when they come, when He-Man and his crew come through, they were escaping Skeletor. It's not like they planned to come to Earth. Right. And so, in, in all the chaos, they lose the key. Kevin and Courtney Cox's character, I, I can't know. remember her name. Jenny. I think it was Jenny. We'll, we'll say it's Jenny. Uh, <laughs> she, they find it. And, like, as we pointed out before, it makes musical sounds. It's Julie. Oh, Julie. Julie. Sorry. We're close. Yeah. Um unnamed character <laughs> right <laughs> unnamed primary character <laughs> they 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 find the key and it makes synthesizer noises yeah. and so they they think my favorite thing about that is that automatically they don't know what it is but like oh it must be one of those new japanese it's japanese synthesizer <laughs> okay for a moment though would you ever pick that thing up it looks like a really dangerous pipe bomb yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really right. does or, I mean, this is the middle of the Cold War, right? So it's like, I guess it's the end of the Cold yeah, War, yeah. but it's like, I Horrible mean, that could nuke. be Russian nuke. Yeah, it's a nuke. I mean, I, I think the cop even thought. says something like, yeah. I think it came from the Russians. Yeah. yeah. But, well, so they use it as a device as they're playing with it that kind of open, you know, turns it back on and that makes it being. Uh, they can uh, track. That's how Skeletor is able yeah. to find them. Yeah, it's a homing beacon so that they can track where it is. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, I I still feel like we spend way too much time with, Ju- with Julie. I yeah, was, Julie so and Kevin. Yeah. Let's talk about their story. I was Bracken. surprised at how much she was in the movie. Yeah, but it was you know it was fine. So her story is that her parents. Okay, get this. She, <laughs> her parents died in a plane crash, but it was on the. It was supposed to be on the day that she, that Julie went to the beach with her parents. So. She didn't go to the beach with her parents because she had to study and be with her boyfriend. So she she made up the story that she had to study so she could hang out with Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, her boyfriend. So it was really Kevin's fault. Yeah. Uh, I guess she was a little angry at Kevin or something. And that's why why she's now moving away. To New Jersey. She's sold the house. 3,000 miles. She's moving to the other side of the country. Before she graduates, which I think is supposed to be in like a month. Yeah. She, so she's, she's going to miss graduation by a couple of weeks, it sounded like. And it seemed pretty clear to everybody here that she really just wanted to break up with Kevin yep. and didn't want to tell him that, you know, sorry, I've got to move. <laughs> she was so terrible at it. She so, was just I mean, away she had a conversation with her friend. Uh, so she's getting <laughs> off work and she's like, things just aren't working out between me and Kevin. And that's right. why I have to move to New Jersey. And then she gets in the van with Kevin, and he like kisses her and stuff, and he obviously doesn't know things aren't going well with <laughs> yeah. I brought you chicken, Kevin. She brought right. him a whole bucket of chicken. 
Yes. <laughs> it could have been ribs. Well, how do you break up with, with ribs? I know. I know. Chicken, right? <laughs> you just don't do that. That's, that's classic. It's he's, that's, he's also a vegan. That's right. absolutely mixed signals, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out how here's this girl who is an orphan, but still a high school student, living in her home with no other like adult guardian which she sold right. entirely by herself right. and apparently and then she's going to drive the entire house is packed to... up already yeah right yeah and she's just going to go to new jersey where she has no connection just to get away well i would go to new jersey <laughs> but I mean, did you get the impression she was supposed to leave for New Jersey that night? Yeah, that's yeah. what I did. Yeah. I thought she was well, on her way to her house. So. Her house is so. still packed up. Yeah, yeah. The phone's still connected because she uses it <laughs> to call <laughs> herself <laughs> later. Like, oh, hey, talk, talk about yes, that. Yeah. What happened? So, <laughs> it's the dumbest thing. So, okay, so she. <laughs> Uh, so Kevin finds the Bojangle or whatever it is, mm. the key, cosmic key, cosmic and he's like, key. "I'm gonna go take this to Charlie's to go see what this Music is." Pawn shop yeah, or so she's just left in the high school. And I don't know if she's like spending her last moments reminiscing, whatever. So this is when all of the Skeletor's crew yeah, come in, bust in, first wave, chases first her wave out. The crack yeah. team. Yeah. So she, in in her escaping, she runs into He Man. Um, totally different thing, but. Um, so they they kind of they have their own little thing and then nice they're movie. like hey we're looking for this thing she's like I know that thing my boyfriend's got it and her idea is I'm gonna call my empty house <laughs> on the payphone and sure enough Kevin and the cop walk in literally like 30 right seconds earlier yeah. I'm kind of curious what this movie like what turns it would have taken if they're like yeah nobody's home I don't know why I thought this was gonna work <laughs> Yes, I don't know. Let's go hunt around the city <laughs> somewhere. It's a good uh, thing everything lined up there. Yeah. Yeah. I'll call oh. the chicken place. <laughs> oh, well, and, and the boyfriend, is it Kevin? Kevin. So he, for whatever reason, doesn't want to tell the cop that they went, they go to her house to find her. Right. But then she calls, and then he doesn't tell the cop right. that she's calling, on, that it's her on the phone. He's he wants pretending to, he's talking he, to someone else. Yeah, the he whole starts time. pretending like he's hiding, like yeah. he needs to protect her from something. Did the cop threaten him in the car well, or remember, something? Because the cop, there's something we don't know. Well, the cop on. thinks that the, like they set the fire. Like everything well, was. I don't even know because, like, at the, at the school. The cop was like, what do you think happened? And was just trying to go on his way. But Kevin kept saying, no, but my girlfriend was in there. Where is she? And then he's like, oh, you come with me. Well, mm-hmm. he just starts listing well, stuff. He's like, I've got you an arson. I've got you aiming right. at a Betty. Yeah. I've got you impersonating a police officer and graffiti on a state capitol. I also have you on a tax evasion. And he just starts listing stuff like for the next 20 minutes. And then after the, after he hangs up, Kevin hangs up with, with uh, Julie on the phone, the cop automatically figures out, oh, this thing you found in the in this uh, cemetery is important, and I need to take it. And it's pretty much for a plot device, right? right. Well, so yeah. to to extend, we need to go find this key still and, <laughs> right. and to take it back to the music shop. We got to go back to the tone of this situation, though. Yeah. So Kevin is understandably he's freaking out at the high school. They find a lump of burnt stuff. And it's right. like, oh my gosh, that's Julie's. Like, well, Julie's what? What is it? But the, and so the, it's like her purse or something. And yeah, so, but, so then the cop, who's clearly like the officer in charge, he takes Kevin. And I'm like, pardon me, I'm like, I guess I can buy that he's going to help him look for right. his girlfriend because he's clearly distraught. And I'm like, well, let's try her house, right? So yeah. I'm on board kind of at this point with, with what's happening with these two. Then they get to her house. 
She calls herself. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the phone, and then the cops. The cop takes a phone from him, but she's already hung up. Yeah. And uh, then the cop's like, "Who was it?" And he's like, "Oh, this is a friend of hers." And then no follow-up questions from right. the cop. Right. And it. then they're just chatting, and he's like, "Well, let's." He opens the fridge, he pulls out a bucket of chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and this is Kevin pulls out a bucket of chicken, and they puts it in the microwave, and they're just chatting. He's eating a biscuit. <laughs> so, so all of the all of the worry and the sense it's of gone urgency away. is just gone and yeah. it's like they're hanging out yeah, yeah. and then uh, <laughs> i i did like this movie but it could have been a good 15 minutes shorter oh yeah, oh, yeah. they yeah. could have cut a few of these scenes yep made them all meet up at the music shop where they have their big shootout right mm-hmm. and taken it to where they ultimately need to go much faster. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. So, Dude, okay. There are so many plot holes in this though. You could drive an entire series of trucks yeah. through them. Like yeah. Skeletor himself is constantly flip flopping between right. like just straight up murder anybody. I don't care. I want the key. Yes. To uh, actually leave them alone. Right. I, otherwise, He Man won't honor his his, <laughs> right. his honor and his promise, whatever. And then like five minutes later, he's like. Uh, I thought you were. I thought you were going to protect them. He's like, I lied. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, like, why? Why not just well, kill him? As I soon mean, as there he was leaves? this whole thing, even with He Man and, and Skeletor at the end, where he's like, it's always just been about you and me. And it's like throughout this whole movie, there's nothing. Like, if you didn't watch, I mean, Bracken, you didn't watch the cartoon or do, you know, you wouldn't know that there is this like rivalry between Skeletor and He Man. Right. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like completely. I mean. When he says it's always been just about you and me, it's, it's <laughs> and Batman it's... and the Joker. I, right, I, yeah. You know that Skel- Skeletor right. and He Man are yeah arch enemies. But there is no nothing really that that specifically targets He Man. I don't know. You have no backstory. Like yeah, there, can we though? Like, let, let's break it down though. Like yeah. this key. Yes. He's like, who cares? Right. Mm-hmm. He's got another key. Like. Yeah. Okay, stay in Earth. I don't. I don't care. Skeletor you know, said, like, "I want to have all the power." Right, but well, like he's like the whole thing is he's gonna get the power of the universe at right. that point. Like, hey guys, maybe let's just surround this so right. they can't. Like, even if they do bust in, we can keep which them they away. do well, later. Like, then, who cares? And then they break the key. Is that what happens? Or Skeletor breaks, breaks one of them. Breaks, yeah. breaks, he breaks it and so strands. Then they go back. Man at arms and yeah. he strands them. But then he goes back to uh, is it Eternia? Yeah. 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 And then he gets the power of the universe, which I didn't understand how he got that and how <laughs> nothing happened to – nothing had changed in Skeletor's life to give him that power except so, for – But he got that's a part of, dope He did get the sword. He did get his sword, I guess. There is lore, the, the whole idea of He-Man. Uh, the toy, He-Man came with a sword. Okay. It was only one half of the sword, and Skeletor came with another half of the sword. Oh. And whoever had both pieces together and had the, I think it's called the Sword of Eterni- Eternia or the Sword, sword of, of Power. Sword of Grayskull or something? Sword of Grayskull. Yeah, that's right. Sword of Grayskull. Whoever had the, the full Sword of Grayskull would be the rightful ruler of Eternia, which is why Castle Grayskull, this big scary castle that's shaped like a skull, is both a seat of good and evil depending mm. on who has the sword. So that's all stuff from the cartoon and, and okay. comic from so that's toy. a cool so he story. did get yeah. he-man's sword which i saw them put into a yeah the into the throne was like, <gasps> yeah okay yeah I stand but I'll, you know they never i mean this was the thing this was my biggest beef with the whole thing is he-man is 
a Conan-like show. It's sword and sorcery, okay? This whole movie is people shooting laser guns. Yeah. Uh, even He-Man barely ever uses his sword. He uses this, the block lasers. Yeah, really yeah. This super important, powerful sword he almost never uses. Yeah. Uh, except for, like, in two battles. Mm-hmm. And all the rest of the time, he's shooting ray guns at mm-hmm. people. And everybody else is shooting ray guns. And I, I do not remember lasers from the He-Man cartoon. Maybe there are, but I remember remember Man-at-Arms. He didn't come with guns and stuff. He came with like a mace and a battle axe axe and stuff like that. I mean, that's the kind of weapons that they were using. So this suddenly is very Star Mm -hmm. Wars-like. Even down to the... The foot soldiers. Yeah. Yeah, talk about that for a minute. Well, well I was just, I was just going to say story. this movie came out in 1988, or 87, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. uh, about 10 years after the first Star Wars movie. And you would hope that 10 years after the very first Star Wars movie that special effects company would be able to get Star Wars-esque quality <laughs> laser yeah, right. you know, battles. Yeah. Being, but... They, they, this is lower budget. Yeah, that, right? it's much lower budget. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you talk about your thing, Nate, and then we'll talk about budget woes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I was just going to say um, the nameless soldiers, which mm-hmm. I guess turned out to be, they're supposed to be robots yes. because Mattel didn't want people getting killed in the movie. Well, yeah, He-Man is a hero. He can't kill anyone or injure anyone. But... Somehow they have to make an action movie where he's right. fighting against bad guys. So robots aren't people. They right. never make that clear. You had to <laughs> right. clarify that for me. Yeah. Well, so they 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 look like Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the, the they story... look like stormtroopers with Darth Vader's helmet on. Right. The yeah. story is that they were, like Darth Vader, were, were inspired by samurai armor. Right. And so it, it looks very, it looks like a mix between Darth Vader and the guys who run the the, the shoot the death star, star. star laser yeah mm-hmm. the engineers whatever the en- yeah. yeah where it goes the yeah with the, the kind of salé style yes face yeah. mask yeah so it was very distracting that he, they looked so much like they like really did look like darth mm-hmm. vader like yeah. i mean you just look at them and their helmets are like the same proportion everything it looks very darth vader like their faces are different i mean they're covered like a ninja kind of it's like when you but, cheat off of your friend in school, but it's like, change it, change it just, just enough so they don't know. Yeah. Once you told me that it looked like a samurai helmet, I said, yeah. oh, I, I saw it completely. Right. But if you hadn't told me, right. I mean, I, I was watching the movie thing. it's Darth Vader. So like, the production yeah. designer insists that they did not steal it from Star Wars. Right. And you can, I mean, you can take their word that, you know, they're, deriving it from the same look as star wars the the samurai right but some of the production designers who i mean they were real production successful production designers uh, or concept artists i should say that worked on this film early on ralph mcquarrie who's the guy who did all the concept art for star wars uh he worked on this for a little bit and so you kind of think well yeah you know i mean he did star wars he's gonna you know some of that's gonna leak through too so it's possible that they inadvertently copied from star wars and didn't realize they were i mean like the little vehicles that skeletor and his crew go i mean they, they all yeah, seem yeah. very star wars-esque yeah i guess it's, it's kind of like you can always tell a john williams score that's right similarity mm-hmm. so a mccrory yeah. concept yeah. art's gonna have some similarities yeah it, that was distracting um 
but yeah, I, I also had a hard time with the laser. <laughs> the, they didn't look. Yeah, it didn't fit in the in the world either. They, right, they don't have stormtrooper. Those guys. No, they were made up for the movie. They were that just was made up for the that movie was to avoid He Man hurting people. And there yeah. were so many of them too. Yeah. So countless. They would just you know get, get one shot and fall yep, over. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah. There were uh, there was an interesting story they talked about. Uh, so there are budget problems, and we can kind of transition into that but there is a point so mattel is spending a lot of money on this and they're very like (laughs) they're very strict about he-man can't hurt anyone and then uh they're really counting on this movie to do well and they're like we need to get this out quick hurry finish it so he can hurt whoever he wants you know anyone who wants to you know so they totally reverse themselves on that just to get it out it's funny so, so, do you want to talk about? Yeah, let's talk budget. about the production itself. Um, what do you know? So, I think I saw that it 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 took twenty two million to make. That's the budget. Is that, is that yeah. a correct uh-huh. number there? Um, and you know, I, it, I think it was five million over, right? Wasn't it? What uh, it I didn't. I didn't. I don't know. It's possible. I don't remember hearing about it going over. Um, in fact, I would bet that they actually went under their projected budget because uh the uh producers are notorious for cutting people off right at the end and that's what they did on this they just said you're done even before their planned <laughs> filming was done so. yeah so you there there's a tell. distinct point in the movie where yeah. it goes from like have you ever been watching YouTube and your internet hicks up for a second <laughs> and it goes from like 720p, 60 yeah. frames down to like 240p yeah. and it's like all blurry and stuttery? The movie does that about yeah. 95% of the way well, through the right end. At yeah. The, yeah. Right at the climax. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> he man, he man yeah. gets a sword back and he's like, I have the power. And then it cuts the next yep. scene. Well, he Skeletor the, says, let's finish this once oh, right, for right, all. Right, right, yeah. Once and for all. Yeah. Electricity it took all the, the power. power lights. <laughs> yes, yes, that sword was powered by budget <laughs> because there was none left for that fight scene. <laughs> I mean, who wants to talk about this fight scene for a second? Oh man, somebody. Oh. Are you talking about the, the last? The, yeah, the the very final last battle. Fight scene. So what this is what like? I read on, online. This is trivia. It says because of financial difficulties, Canon Cinema made a decision to d- discontinue <laughs> all filming three days before its scheduled end leaving the movie in a quandary. All the climactic scenes were completed bar the final battle and resolution between He-Man and Skeletor. After two months, the Canon Cinema executives allowed director Gary Goddard to film the ending in a complete, albeit rushed, manner. Yes. So mm-hmm. they had already <laughs> taken down the set mm-hmm. of the throne room and... Uh, you know, they, they kind of turned off the lights or dimmed it, So, which was well done mm-hmm. because you're kind of focusing just on the two characters. Right. I, I actually, having known that before I, I saw the movie, I, I actually appreciated the choice that they made um, considering their difficulties. But you kind of have to have that final uh, battle between yeah. the bad guy and the good guy, right? And uh, so it became this uh, one-on-one sword fight, and it was pretty good. I mean, it... It again it calling sucked. back to Star Wars. It did feel like the the fight, mm-hmm. the sword fight between Luke and Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. Yep. You know where it's in very muted. Right. It's in the dark. Mm-hmm. It, like that was a design decision. Yes, but I think that to your point, Bracken, I think they did a good job with what they had. 
right? Yeah. So they had we still have the outfit, we still have the sword. Yeah. We've got Dolph. He's still on work release from Sweden. Right. And let's get this thing done. <laughs> so they fight, and then Skeletor basically falls into a, like a pit, just or like a, the Emperor. Oh, yeah. the Emperor. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of reminded me of uh, remember when we watched Mortal Kombat? Yeah. And Johnny Cage and Goro. It was very kind of anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. In this, yeah. uh, He Man like just kind of turns real quick and deflects a blow and Skeletor slips goes, off. Yeah, yeah. Goes falling into the hole and it's this like, This is oh, the part you wow. fall down. It's up when he breaks Skeletor's staff. Yeah. And then I think there's the tripping and falling over. But So I, you know, I, I, I have a lot of respect for the director, uh, Gary Goddard. Uh, he talks about how he'd been dealing with the producers on this and they were constantly and they were notorious for this throughout their whole history uh they weren't paying people on time they were uh saying there was money and then telling them oh wait there's not enough money and stuff and he kind of felt like they were going to cut him off early and so he talks about how he wanted to get at least to the point where uh he-man and skeletor say let's do the final battle and then they clash their the staff and the mm-hmm. sword and there's yeah. this ching yeah. and that's as far as he got and he's like okay so i have at least to that point and now i can just put whatever i want after that and it will just transition smoothly right yeah. he doesn't need other actors he doesn't need anything else you know and there were i mean suddenly like you said they're in this dark room that they're fighting a sad thing is that uh the the production designer was talking about how he specifically designed the layout of Castle Grayskull to have ups and downs and interesting things because he knew about this big fight at the end and he wanted it to have a lot of fun action and you didn't get to use any of that yeah. at the end because well, yeah. yeah yeah the original yeah. budget uh, was 17 million and then it was oh, okay. increased to 22 million and this became Canon Films most expensive film hmm. at that point yeah yeah well, and, there wasn't much point after. Right, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. But th- that's it, a whole other story. It grossed seventeen million. Um, so they lost. It it was a bomb. Um so I want to talk about the financial situation of what got this film made. So to do that, I want to talk a little bit about Canon Films, who is the production company that created this. The heads of Canon Films are these guys. Uh, they're two Israeli guys named uh, Menachem Golan and um, his cousin Yoram Globus. Uh, Golan and Globus. And they uh, created this company called Canon. And the whole, like, MO was uh, make low budget films, sell them as quick as they could. Uh, but really what they were doing, they, they are like, they really remind me a lot of Uwe Boll. And there are all these stories about them throughout the history of, of Canon films. What they would do is have somebody create a poster of some film. Like they'd just make up a name and a poster and they'd go and they'd sell this That's to awesome. someone just based off of that. Hey, here's this and it's only going to cost you, you know, two million dollars and so somebody buys it they give them the two million dollars and they use that two million dollars to make this movie that goes with this poster that there was no script there was no story there was nothing it was just a poster um that's kind of cool yeah and they started doing things like they would sell foreign their dream was to come uh 
come from Israel come to the United States, make movies for the United States market. But they didn't really kind of grasp the United States market. Somebody once said their films always resemble something, but then with all of the good taste removed. (laughs) Um, So they often like copied other movies, but didn't quite understand what was, I mean, they threw in a lot of uh, very tasteless stuff. Hmm. Um, Early on, it was a lot of nudity and sex was in it, but then in their films, but then they found out that, oh, you can do a lot of action guns and stuff. So some of the films that uh, Canon uh, has have done that we would know, they discovered, well, I don't know if discovered is right, but they gave Chuck Norris his big break as a lead. And so the missing in action films, so they brought Ninja to our vernacular. Okay. So, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're humanitarians. Humanitarians, yeah. So they started with some movies called Ninja or Enter the Ninja, and then there's a whole bunch of those, and then they did the American Ninja movies. Then they also brought us Jean-Claude Van Damme because they made Bloodsport and... Um, Got mixed emotions about that. Yeah, right. So uh, another, their biggest movie that they made uh, um, was Breakin'. The breakdance movie called Breakin' in 1984. Don't even know that one. Okay, well, its sequel, Breakin' to Electric, Electric Boogaloo, Boogaloo. Um, is, <laughs> is what m- more people recognize that than Breakin'. But it's just about breakdancers. It brought people together from different uh, like backgrounds and stuff, you know. <laughs> anyway, it was... <laughs> and they're fighting the man. Yeah, right. They're fighting the man. That's exactly what it is. They don't understand... They didn't understand why it was a big hit, and uh, Break Into Electric Boogaloo shows that they didn't understand that it wasn't actually the dancing. It was there was <laughs> more to it that brought it together. Anyway, it was the boogaloo. So uh, they got to the point where they were making. They were so successful, they would go to places like Cannes Film Festival, Con, whatever you call it, and they would sell their movies. Again, these are movies that don't exist yet, right? And they would sell it to somebody, but then they would say something like this. Hey, if you want to show the Missing in Action movie, then you also have to show these other five movies that we've made also. So they would get even their really bad movies uh, shown in theaters and stuff. They would get a regular run because it was part of the deal if they wanted the successful ones. So they're like the multi-level marketing of movie making. Very much. No, it really is because it <clears throat> Buy was... our starter pack and you can be part of my downstream. That's right. And also, it's the whole thing where give us the money. The people who are buying these films assume they're buying like finished, finished films. Products, yeah. But they're buying films that have not been created yet, giving the money, and that money is going to, fil- to uh, pay for all of the other films that In they're production. making, right? Yeah. Um, <sighs> they were very, very... Uh, proliferous. What's the word? Prolific. Prolific. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Proliferous. I think is the word you're Prolific. For. They, uh, whereas a studio like Warner Brothers or another big studio would would make like eight films a year, they were making eighty seven films a year. Oh, man. Um, and it was all kind of this recycling of the money. And so it got to a point in uh, nineteen eighty six where they're being investigated. Uh, they don't have any money. They're being investigated for fraud. And it turns out that they owe banks like $90 million. And they get the idea, this is the perfect time. 
they would never expect us to come out with big budget movies when we're down. We're going to show them how we're not almost out of this, you know? And so they decide for the first time ever, they're going to make, which for them are big budget films. And they decide to make three big budget films that are going to be successful, hugely successful, bring them out of uh, their financial troubles and everything will be great. So they buy the rights to Superman and they're going to make Superman 4. Uh, they even convince Christopher Reeve to come back. And one day we'll talk more about that story when we cover that, because I'm sure we're going to see, uh, what's it called? Superman 4? The Quest for Peace. The Quest for Peace. Thank yes. you. Um, <laughs> so that's their, financial solvency. that's their first film that they're going to Reckon do. Reckon said that with such reverence. <laughs> he closed his eyes even. He was like, Quest for <laughs> Then they're like, okay, we need to get another big star. So Sylvester Stallone, let's make a Stallone movie. And they decide to make Over the Top. Yes! Because why not? <laughs> uh, and at this time, Sylvester Stallone was probably making $4 million at most uh, for a film. Yeah. This is Ram- I mean, this is Rambo and, and stuff. I mean, he's a big star at this time. He's making $4 million. They offer him. He's already made at least Rocky Four at this point. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because that was That's right. You're right. Yeah. And uh, his agent was like, we would... <laughs> Stallone will not work for Canon Films for $10 million. And they're like, well, how about for 13 <laughs> And so he's like, sure enough, he'll do it for 13 oh, So man. $13 million, which kind of threw Hollywood for a loop because no one was being paid that amount of money. And suddenly other stars are like, hey, Stallone's getting paid this kind of money. We need more money. So, I mean, it's, yeah. And then they decided that arm wrestling was the... I'm sure that we're going to be visiting that movie. That movie, right. I agree. So we'll talk more about that later. Then the third one was Masters of the Universe. They made it a deal with Mattel that they would go in 50-50. They said to Mattel, okay, we'll pay half, you pay half, and then we'll make this film. Mattel's like, oh, that's a great idea because they have no experience in making feature film, live action feature films, right? And they're like, yeah, this is a great idea. And so Golan and Globus are like, okay, you, you guys pay your half first. They pony up their half of it. They get halfway through with production and suddenly uh, actors are not getting their paychecks and stuff and the director's like, oh, this, I'll take care of this, you know? And then he goes and he's like, where's the money? And Mattel turns to Golan and Globus and they're like, where's the money? And they're like, oh, we're... You know, you you take care of it. We're not. We don't have the money right now. And so Mattel was stuck in the position of, okay, we've invested all this money in this thing that is going to be the thing that uh, brings back our huge toy line, saves us a ton of money. We cannot abandon it at this point. Mm. So they start shoveling more money into it. Um, and then at the end, Golan, Golan and Globus, like we talked about, they just come to the director at the end three days before production is supposed to wrap and they say sorry you're done they turn off the lights and they say everybody go home we're done and it was over (laughs) so the the last fight scene that was accomplished two months later uh, a lot of that was actually financed by the director himself from his own salary Hmm. uh, just so they could get an ending to it so that's the financial woes of this and what i think is so interesting is when you look at the movie list of canon group so many of those films are also on our list (laughs) future films coming for you (laughs) so what happens to canon after these so uh well sure enough uh canon doesn't i mean they lose money on everything 
and uh, very shortly after that, um, they bring in another investor, uh, an Italian man. I can't remember his name. Oh, I think it's Peretti, who comes in. But it turns out that he probably works for the mafia or is part of the mafia or something. Fragazzo. And he's kind <laughs> he's, of uh, yeah, right. he's part of it. <laughs> and he comes in and basically like uh, says, "I'm going to save this," but he really is there to just destroy it and dissolve it and everything like that. The two cousins, Gullen and Globus, who, even though they're cousins, they're, they're basically a generation apart, so they're like father and son. Although they've had this long career and like loved each other and everything, at this point, they very much disagree. They separate. Canon group goes away. They had an, they had an idea that they were working on before the split, and that was to make the movie Lombada. So they both split up and do their own thing, and they both decide to do Lombada at the same oh. time, and they're trying to do it Separately. faster than the other oh, one. Man. So That's great. one of them gets the word Lombada and makes the movie Lombada, uh, and the other one can't use the title Lombada, so they make the movie called The Forbidden Dance is Lombada, <laughs> which the title is just for The Forbidden Dance, and is Lombada is like a, a, a tagline, yeah. right? Um, but they own the song Lombada, so <laughs> anyway awesome. they both they both come out on the same day they premiere on the same day at the same theater <laughs> oh my god in the end the movie lombada did better and that was the end hmm. it was over and and the truth is if they wouldn't have messed up superman i mean come on how do you mess up superman if they wouldn't have messed it up that well, alone we'll, could we'll have talk saved about them. that in another episode <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that's the history of it. Well, yeah. okay, so this movie was not terrible. No, it wasn't. I think that's we true. all agreed, like, the individual components were actually well done. Like, yeah. the music was well done. Music was excellent. Mm-hmm. Some of some of the props were okay. Yeah. The special effects were hit or miss. Like, some of them were really good. The costumes. Some of them were like, meh. So the, the electrical effects, like the lightning yeah. bolt things, were done by the same people who did it for Ghostbusters and... Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff. It was exactly the same people. I think it just it didn't come together in the right. end. Yeah. There right. were some like, matte shots that were pretty bad in the, at the beginning. Uh, some yeah. of the some of the effects it's a were matte shot. So a matte shot is when you have an artist uh, painting a, a, a backdrop to fill in gaps of a, of the screen. Mm-hmm. So if you have like uh, a you know a deep cavern, like you know in Star Wars when Obi-Wan Kenobi is walking around to turn off the uh, uh, the shield generator thing. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And he's there's this pit, you know, it's a, this tower and it goes down into infinity. Uh, you know, right below his feet is basically a mat where it's it's painted below. It's just a painting. It's like, just yeah. a, it's painting. a literal painting. It's yeah. not. Yeah. And so they just have like a blacked out on the screen. Okay. And so they just fill that in. The landscape uh, of attorney. Was, but if yeah. it's was, if it's done well. So if you're a really good matte painter. You can make a mat where it looks real and it just matches exactly. But if you do a really bad job or a mediocre job, it always looks really, really bad. Hmm. It looks like concept art. It, I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, and it it, lo- <laughs> it kind of looked Which, fuzzy. Not to say concept art is bad because yeah. concept art is not bad. It's just it's supposed to look real, mm-hmm. not like right. I, I yeah. feel like the mat of Castle Grayskull would have been fine if they didn't zoom in on it. Yeah, right. Because mm-hmm. it looked okay. Yes. You don't want to see the brush strokes and it's, stuff. I that's mean, not what it's, it's designed right. for. Yes. But yeah, all those attorney scenes, you know, with the people standing mm-hmm. with their hands on their heads. Yeah, that, for a long time they were. Yeah, that was. 
I don't know if that's a custom in Eternia. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I so, love how he was like, Eternia, this like huge hologram, and you just only see like four ten dudes. people down yeah, there right. in a desert. It's yeah. just empty desert all around. So the guy who did the music, his name is Bill Conti. Rocky. Did he do Rocky? He did Rocky. He did oh. Karate Kid, I know. For your eyes only. He's, Come on, he's, Rocky, he's a, that's cla- the right that's stuff. Excellent. Yeah, I so mean, he's he's a legit that's awesome. yeah. guy. I mean, it was yeah. good. The music, yeah. the music was, was really great. good. Yeah. It was very evocative of other yeah, <laughs> movies. Did. Like, we it kept saying, like, felt like that sounds an awful lot like yeah. whatever, or yeah. it sounds a lot like that. The makeup was done by Michael Westmore, who is in the makeup world. He's very famous. Uh, most people will not even know who he is, but he did all of the makeup effects, all of the makeup masks for all of the Star Trek uh, shows and movies before J.J. Abrams brought them back. So mm. next generation, he did Worf's makeup, all of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, he's uh, very established, and, and I think it showed in uh, certainly within with the budget that he had, he did a great job, right? Yeah. Yeah, some of the characters were really well done. Mm-hmm. Some were fine, uh, but some I, I noticed. Which one I mentioned to you? The one with the white hair, the the uh, Gragok, Korg, Korg, Korg. Thank you. The guy with the the very very big hair, big yes. heads. Yeah. yeah, and the lizard head face. It was yeah, the lizard guy was cool. It was too bad. Dude, he got knocked off Dude, quick. They killed yeah. him fast. Card. He he was honestly the coolest yeah. character in my yeah. mind. Like, I mean, and you he saw the when they going on. first introduced him, like they fully did a frog thing that on his, his neck. throat would inflate. Yeah, I was like, that was really used that cool. More. Yeah, yeah. Should have got rid of Blade. He was boring. I know he was. So Blade was hey, a hey hey. The, the reason why they didn't get rid of <laughs> Blade <laughs> is because Blade was a new character that was that Mattel was like, okay, here's another character we can, um, another toy we can make. Yeah. So, but Sarod, who is the lizard guy. He already existed in the He-Man world, mm. so he wasn't new. They didn't need to push. <laughs> did you? I mean, so you keep saying how Mattel is trying to sell. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, besides He-Man, nobody looks like their their characters. Right, right. Everyone like is everybody looks different. I mean, Skeletor's pretty close, but yeah, yeah. Literally nobody else no in this does. entire movie looks like their namesake. Uh, Man in Arms kind of does, uh, other than being. I mean, <laughs> he's he... not the big muscular guy, but he's wearing the weird. He's got the mustache. And Wasn't them... there a Gwildor character in the cartoon? No, oh, no there was no. not. So I'm not Gwildor he... himself. There Maybe was a I'm thing called of... Orko. Yeah, Orko. He was like this little floating wizard. Yeah, thing. and you didn't see his face; you just saw his eyes. Yeah, right? he was like a. He was like imagine a Jawa, but instead of a hood, they've got a the uh, sorting hat. From Harry Potter. Oh, that's right. I remember. I do faintly remember. Yeah. That. But he's like Marvin the Martian as well, right? Like yeah. He has no like distinct that. features. There's no, it's just eyes floating yeah. in blackness. Common and, character, yeah. yeah. And he flies, right? Yeah, wanted, he floats, yeah. If they wanted to push toys, I mean, you already had He-Man and you already, already had Skeletor. Who else would you have wanted to buy a toy of after watching that movie? Kevin. No one. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah. Wait, Kevin, he's the boyfriend. Ma- he's a master musician. Yeah. Yeah. He's a master. He comes master with a Casio keyboard and a bucket of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'd buy that. And a one, yeah. one way ticket to New Jersey. He'll find his love of his life. Half of a pink Cadillac? Yes, <laughs> half of a pink. I actually really like that. I really, I actually really like how they, they, you know, kind of jerry-rigged the the key that was broken. Thing. Yeah. yeah. And they come back, and it not only brings them, but it brings like. 
a big chunk of where they were. Yeah. So there's like well, the part of the building and half of a yeah. Cadillac. And I got the reason why they brought half of the Cadillac back is because they were shooting afterwards and that gave the characters something to hide behind. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, Tila they're just was sitting really out good there. standing behind that too. Yeah. <laughs> Sharpshooter Tila. <laughs> Oh, so I would have thrown away it, my Tila. You know, you would have got the Julie figure. Yeah, with, with the <laughs> with the buff He Man <laughs> right. mold. She Julie came as a pack the into the to yeah. He Man. Yeah. So you brought that back. That's a good point. We talked about how uh, this thing could open a portal to anywhere in the universe at any time. Yet they spent the entire movie talking about they're racing against the clock to get done before. Skeletor can get his powers, yet somehow they could have just, you know, gone back before he took over or whatever. We we don't find out that they could go back and that they could do the time until the very end when they fix it. Everything is happy. It's the very end. And they're sending Julie and Kevin back, but not the cop. And they're like, when do you want to go back? Oh, I don't care. And they're like, okay. So they just send him to some random time. I love how Julie's like, her whole persona is defined my by parents her parents. have died. And so she's like, I don't know, just send me back. I'm going to New Jersey. Right before she disappears in the portal, she's like, no way yet. And then she's gone. Right? And right. you're like, oh, well, that really sucks. You probably should have made that decision a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, Gwildor accidentally sends her back to the morning mm-hmm. that her parents yeah die and she convinces them not to go in the airplane right, right. so the nep calls into question whether the rest of the movie actually happens whether it even happened right <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> because they won't be at the graveyard that's a good point so nothing could have happened well no he meant they just go straight to it yeah it right, doesn't wander true. off <laughs> it's over a lot quicker yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did have plans for a sequel to this movie yeah but mm. unfortunately it lost money and I believe Dolph Lundgren did not want to come back. No. He was oh. kind of, he mentioned a couple of years afterwards that he was kind of embarrassed that mm-hmm. he did it or whatnot uh, for various reasons. But they were going to cast it with someone else and they're going to bring in She-Ra and they had plans for a sequel. And It was going to be Masters of the Universe 2 Cyborg. Yeah. Not oh. Electric Boogaloo. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, it didn't happen. So, Eternian you know, what, what could have been. If you want to see the setup for that, stick around for the credits. <laughs> it's about after the, the credits. 1.7 seconds. It's yeah. the original Marvel movie because it has an after credits. Right. Yeah. But again, true to stealing inspiration from everybody else, they steal Terminator's <laughs> yeah. right. of like, I'll be back. <laughs> Franklin Jaw jumps up out of the water. Like, but it also looks yeah. like the molten steel stuff of yeah. Terminator. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So, uh, what do you guys think? Where where do we put this? Or is it worth watching? Do we tell people to go watch it? I, I'll, I'll kick it off. Okay. I had fun with it. Um, I'm not going to probably watch it again. I might watch it with my kids. Like, honestly, I think they would enjoy it. There, for a PG movie, I didn't realize this was a PG, there was a lot of what I would call heavy swearing. But, like, 80 swearing. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of SH, a oh, yeah. lot of hell, a lot of whatever, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keep that in mind for your kids. If you're 80 watch your kids. Yeah. yeah. There was yeah. also PG a definitely. lot of close-ups of nipples you, you mentioned at the beginning. It was. Of the yes. He-Man's. Of men's yeah. Yeah. He-Man's nipples, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which, 
that actually gets extra points for me. Um, <laughs> I would. I. It's definitely not as bad as Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Um. I, it's right around a talking cat. Okay. I can't tell what side of it. It definitely is not on the terrible, terrible side. It's definitely not on the definitely go watch it side. It's like right in the middle. But if for somebody me. were to say Blade, yeah. If if someone said <laughs> if you had to watch this movie again or a talking cat ahead talking hat cat again, which thank, one would it be? It would absolutely be Masters of the Universe. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yes, thank you for framing that for me. <laughs> Uh, I, I agree. I think this was fun. I, I would uh, I would watch it with my kids again. Mm-hmm. There were a few, you know, it like I said, it could have been 15 minutes shorter, yeah. and it would have flowed a lot better. There, it was a little slow in some spots, but uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun, uh, engaging. The acting was fun. And the special effects being what they are, they're, you know, it's a good ride. So uh, I would, sp- yeah, I'd put it to the left of uh, Talking Cat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I'm with I think I'm with uh, both of you guys on that. Um, I, I remember I remember when this movie came out when I was a little kid. I remember I was at my friend's house across the street when I first saw the ad for it, and we were so excited. And then I remember seeing it when I was a little kid and not really thinking about it again mm-hmm. <laughs> until until the show. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely would recommend someone watch it. I don't know that I'd recommend it as strongly as. Um, say like supergirl or right. cool as ice but it's definitely one that i would i would watch i would wa- i would watch it with my kids i think they'd have a good time with this one you ask my 10 year old self i totally loved it like eight nine ten you ask my 38 year se- year old self totally loved it <laughs> i no it was bad i would i would watch it again um but that's just because i loved he-man characters so yeah, same place that you guys all said. This was my thing. It would have been an awesome movie if there was no storm troopers. <laughs> it was just the assassins, Skeletor and the assassins saying, hey, yeah. let's go get them. If you had backstory of He-Man as Prince Adam and the two sword thing. Yeah. And more shoulder rubbing <laughs> Skeletor <laughs> to Evil Lynn. Yeah. Those are my... And face... Face more face, face, more face Yeah, I I agree. This is a fun movie, and I think it's worth watching. I, I have mixed feelings about it because I don't feel like it's it's not a movie that is so bad that it's good. I actually kind of think that it's actually just not that bad, but it's also it, I mean it's bad and not too bad to not want to see it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. I agree. It falls in right near a talking cat. But you would see these movies for different reasons. Totally. You would see a yeah. talking cat because it is just so appallingly horrible. <laughs> and you would see this because it's a bad movie, but it's mm. also kind of fun to watch. So, yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. Agree. That's the way I feel about it. Um, if you want to see, uh, if you want to follow along and see how we've ranked our movies, you can always uh, follow us uh, at our Instagram. At exceptionally bad. Um, how you, else if you want to get contact us or give us any feedback or even sing along our jingle uh mm-hmm. theme song to us uh you can email us at the guys at exceptionaliva.com so we have gotten some feedback from some of our listeners and we love it um i think nate wants to share a little 
uh, story about some feedback that we got. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I got some feedback uh, from a relative of mine, mm-hmm. my sister. Uh, so I'm just going to read you the, the feedback that she gave me. So uh, congratulations to my sister. She's, she's closing on a house. And so she took my parents to see it. So here we go. Here's what she said. So I'm driving and dad is in the passenger seat and mom and my son were in the back. I played the Mortal Kombat episode as we were heading over. Dad doesn't remember picking you up in the middle of the night from the 7-Eleven. That did happen. (laughs) Um, Mom commented on how sometimes silence is worse than getting yelled at. Then several minutes later, Mom says, that almost sounds like Nathan. (laughs) Dad and I said, that is Nathan. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. (laughs) So thanks to all of our listeners, even our mothers who may not recognize us. (laughs) Well, it's this voice-altering thing filter I have on my microphone. All right, who's going to take us out with the power of saying the, the theme? The power of whatever. What does he say? I think, I think Blade's up to the challenge. All right. Do it, Blade. Do it, Blade. Blade. By the power of injectable steroids. <laughs> Bad movies, worst reviews. Bad movies, worst reviews. Oh. Ugh, that was terrible. Can we fix that in post?